Well, welcome back uh, to our session on the joy of fasting. This is part two, and you might say the joy of fasting. I heard somebody say, how are you doing tonight? And they said, I was fine until I saw the subject matter, the joy of fasting. Um, I, I chose that title on purpose because there is a joy that can be found when we connect with the Lord in a new and different way. And so uh, I want to jump right into our lesson tonight, but quickly review what we talked about in part one, our foundational principles of fasting. I want to remind us all that fasting is an invitation by God to step into a different relationship with Him, a relationship of trust, a relationship of putting Him first, of denying ourselves. Fasting is a paradox. It doesn't make sense that weak flesh would equal strong spirit. Um, we, we think it's the other way around. But the inner man's the more expensive man, if you know what I'm saying. That's the one we need to be preserving and building. Um, fasting is a grace. It's an enablement by the Holy Spirit, the help of the Father, uh, to enter into this relationship. So we need God's grace to be able to fast. And fasting is an expression of humility. It reminds us who's the boss, not me not what my mind wants to do or what my body needs in the moment. It's what our Heavenly Father wants. We also talked about seven types of biblical fasting. Uh, people in the Bible fasted so that they could have powerful ministry, so they could have direction from God, fulfillment in God's purposes. They could fast to stop a crisis, a national crisis, an individual crisis. Fasting was uh, brought about for protection for insight, especially into God's last days events and plans. But the one we really wanted to focus on last week or the last time we met was intimacy with God. That's really at the end of the day, the main reason to fast. It's intimacy with the one who created us. It's learning him in a way we could not learn him otherwise. And so I just want to remind us of Matthew's gospel, chapter nine, verse 25, but the days will come when the bridegroom that's Jesus, will be taken from them, and then they will fast. And that's why we fast. It's because he's not here. We fast. We're longing for his return. We're longing to be reunited with the bridegroom, the bride and the bridegroom coming together. And the central point for this lesson in part two is that God calls his people to regular fasting as part of a normal Christian lifestyle. This is not what Weird Christians do. This is not what super elite Christians do. This is what normal Christians do. Fasting is a part of that lifestyle. And we must prepare ourselves adequately so that the fast can honor God and fulfill its purpose. We never want to fast for fasting's sake or fast to say, well, I checked it off the list or I did my religious duty because it's not that. It is entering into a different level of relationship with the Father it's entering a new level of trust and expectancy with him and asking him to come and take over every area of our lives. So I hope that from our time in session one, uh, talking about foundations of fastings, we can agree tonight that letter A in your notes, fasting is biblical. It's all throughout the scripture. The practice of regular fasting is normal Christian behavior. It should be a normal part of every believer's walk and experience with Christ. Number one, fasting was taught by Jesus. He said in Matthew's gospel, chapter six, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, 
for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. In our vernacular, it'd be smell good and look pretty. Don't, don't look like you're having a rough day. So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward, will reward you. And there's a reward in fasting. Jesus answered in Matthew 9, again, we re reiterate this verse, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. So fasting was taught by Jesus. Fasting was exercised by the early church. In fact, um, in Jesus' parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, where they were praying to God, the Pharisee said, I, I fast twice a week and I tie the tenth of all that I have. Um, so it was in the culture of that day, fasting was normative. And, and Pharisee said, if, if most Jews fast one time a week, well, I'm going to do one better and fast two days a week. Um, so fasting was taught by Jesus. It was exercised by the early church, Acts 13.2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, which later became Paul, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, notice they were worshiping and fasting, and then they fasted and prayed, and they placed their hands on Barnabas and Saul and sent them off. So we see that as a regular activity in the early church. After the day of Pentecost, as the church begins to grow, there's worship, fasting, and prayer, and they're, in, they're together together. Uh, they're linked. And then number three, fasting is biblical. Fasting has been the regular discipline of believers throughout church history. Fasting begets prophets and strengthens strong men. Fasting makes lawgivers wise. It is the soul's safeguard, the body's trusted comrade, the armor of the champion, the training of the athlete. That's what Basil, Bishop of Caesarea said, AD 330 to 379. I love that. It's the soul's safeguard, the body's trusted comrade, the armor of the champion, the training of the athlete. Arthur Wallace, who wrote a book called God's Chosen Fast, also has this quote, fasting opens the way for the outpouring of the spirit and the restoration of God's house. Fasting in this age of the absent bridegroom is in expectation of his return. Soon there will be the midnight cry, behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. It will be too late then to fast and to pray. The time is now. So we have the joy to fast while the bridegroom is separate from us and has not returned. So fasting was taught by Jesus, exercised by the early church. It's been the regular discipline of believers throughout church history. And the practice of fasting in Scripture usually includes, but is not limited to, abstinence from food. And this can be for varying um, durations, typically for no more than a few days at a time. Daniel 10 said, I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until three weeks were over. Um, that, that means he, he was just intent on pursuing the Lord in that fast. And that was three weeks for him, so 21 days. And then abstaining from all food for extended periods of time is biblical, but was rare and unusual in Scripture. 
uh, and thus should never be undertaken without counsel and appropriate supervision. The same standard applies to an absolute fast. If you want to learn what that is talking about, you look in the book of Esther, Esther 4.16. Esther called the Jewish people that were in the Persian kingdom uh, to, to fast for three days, no food or water so that they might be spared. And the Lord would give her favor to walk into the king and give her request and share what was on her heart because you didn't just go before the king when you felt like it. You had to be invited and welcomed. And it, it proved, proved good for protection. In fact, that was one of our um, examples last time we talked in session one. We see Exodus 34, 28. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. That's an extended period of time. That would be to me a supernatural fast where the Lord calls you to it and he's going to sustain you supernaturally. I wouldn't suggest you leave here tonight and say, I'm going to do a 40-day fast, no, no food or no water for 40 days. Please don't do that. I, I don't want to be preaching your funeral in a couple of weeks, okay? First um, Kings 19, 5 through 8, we see in Elijah's life, then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank, strengthened by that food. Okay, food brought to him by the ravens. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. So for 40 days and 40 nights, he was sustained by spiritual food he had earlier and was able to fast and, and, and work that out. Again, these are rare and unusual, but they are possible. Then Luke 4, 2, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days... He was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. I love that Scripture puts in there, he was hungry, because it proves he was a man under the leading and direction of the power of the Holy Spirit, because the enemy didn't take him to the wilderness to tempt him. The Holy Spirit took Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. It was a special assignment to um, get him prepared and ready for all the things that he was about to undergo as Savior of the world. And at the end of those 40 days, he was hungry. He was ready to eat. Um, I know I would be too. Now, there's an important note here that I want you to look at. The maximum length of an adult fast that is biblically supported is 40 days without food for a male adult in good health and three days without water. The Bible does not speak of children engaging in fasting food, okay? Now, most of our kids would hear fasting food and think we're saying fast food. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that if you are a healthy adult male, that you can fast food for 40 days health, healthfully. Um, but again, let me remind you, this is not something that you just run and do. You need to be under the direct supervision of a a uh, licensed clinician, doctor, nurse, um, PA, somebody needs to know what you're doing. And I would also encourage you to approach leadership and say, hey, would you pray with me? I believe the Lord's calling me to a fast and 
That way you can be held accountable. There can be prayer, encouragement through that process. But we, we don't want to be doing foolish things um, because the enemy would love to jump all over that and say, look what you did. And God didn't deliver you or God didn't help you in that process. So we look at fasting as, as biblical and it talks about abstaining from food. Um, I'll, I'll go back to that in a second. Letter B, fasting is always voluntary. Um, I, I, want, I want you to understand this is in relationship, okay? This is not a religious duty that you and I have to fulfill in order to get a, a, a merit badge in the spirit or a merit badge in the kingdom. This is an invitation to a different, more intense relationship with the Father in the area of sacrificing and denying our flesh so that the spirit inner man can grow, develop, increase. And it reminds me of John the Baptist in John's gospel. I must decrease, he must increase. Now he was talking about the ministry of Jesus as his ministry of, of the forerunner of, of coming before Jesus saying, prepare the way of the Lord, repent, be baptized. And he was saying, okay, it's time for my ministry to wrap up and for Jesus' ministry to go full swing. But the principle is this, in all of our lives, we must decrease so that Christ must increase in us. And fasting is a way that helps us do that. But fasting is always voluntary. Those spiritual leaders may invite others to join in corporate fasting, sometimes with a specific goal in mind and for a specific time. Fasting can never be forced or made compulsory. That's why every year in September as a church, we invite those who will to join us for a 21 days of fasting and prayer. And we give you many different opportunities and ways to do that. What might that look like? Let me take three minutes to kind of describe that. Some of you would fast a meal every day, which is great. For 21 days, you're only eating 42 meals. Some of you would not fast food because you are taking medicine. You were under the care of a physician. So you might fast meat or you might fast sugar or you might fast caffeine. Others, you can't do a food item at all because of your health. And so you might fast 24-hour news or you might fast media or music. And it, it's all in a sense to give something up in honor of pro producing a, a, a more uh, set-aside time for the Lord and giving Him that time. Because we never just fast to say, I fasted. We give something up so that we can make room for something else. And that is feasting on the Lord, His presence, um, spending time in His Word, worshiping, praying. There's an exchange there. So it, if you're just fasting to say you fasted, that's a diet. Anybody can do that. We're not, we're not doing a Christian diet. We're giving something up so that we can give something to the Lord. And that's our time, our attention, our, 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 um, our passion, our, our, the, the motive and intent of our heart. And that's what uh, fasting should be about. Number two, fasting is a biblical and historical means of positioning our heart to receive more of God's grace in the context of commitment to prayer and to the word. Remember, it's not a striving with God to earn his approval. We already have his approval. We receive Jesus Christ, the best that he could ever give us as our Lord and our Savior. And so it's not us saying, 
It's me, Justin, remember. It's me, God, Justin, remember me. He knows me by name. He knows you by name. This is not for me to get his approval. This is not even for me to get his attention. This is not even for me to twist his arm to get something I want. Remember that we call that a temper tantrum. Two-year-olds do that. They throw themselves on the floor and they roll around and scream to get attention. We don't have to do that with our Father. He loves us. He knows what we need before we even ask. And He's already given us His best. So fasting is not to get His approval or attention. But instead, it's positioning our hearts to receive more of His grace as we spend time in His Word, as we spend time in His presence, as we spend time uh, in prayer. Joel 2, 12 to 15, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing. Grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. I love how this passage unpacks the character of a God who is slow to anger, that desires to have relationship and connection with us and says, hey, give me your all and I'll show you what I can do with that. I'll show you what it makes room for in your life. If you thought you had less, you'll end up seeing you actually have more because whatever you give up is minuscule compared to what you will receive from God's grace and his glory and his presence. His love is so encompassing and so life-changing. Number three, the level at which a person engages in fasting, particularly food in our case, should be determined according to age and with regard to any physical limitations. Um, those with a known or suspected physical disability or illness, or those with history of eating disorders, please don't fast. That, that's not a good thing. Um, except in consultation with and under the supervision of a qualified doctor. It's okay to have your physician in on this conversation because we want you healthy. We want it to do what it needs to do and not what it doesn't need to do. And we want you to survive the fast so you can live to fast again, okay? And you can live to eat again and you can live to worship again. Um, and, and I've just heard too many horror stories of Christians just willy-nilly doing whatever they think's best and not having any accountability or having anybody speaking into their life along these issues of health. Um, pregnant or nursing mothers should not fast food or drink as it could negatively affect the health and development of their baby and their own personal health. When a baby is growing inside the womb of a mother, you don't want to mess up that harmonic imbalance and all those things going on. The Lord created that time. And so uh, you need to be careful what you're fasting. It doesn't mean you cannot fast. It means you just don't need to fast food. There are other things that you can fast during the time when you're pregnant or nursing uh, your children. Minors under 18 are discouraged from fasting food and should never engage in fasting without express parental consent and oversight. Moms and dads need to get involved in the lives of their kids when it comes to fasting. Now, I think families should fast together. 
You can fast a meal. You can fast meat and just eat vegetables. There's different ways to do that. But you, as a, as a parent, as a mom or dad, you want to lead the entire family and you want to invite them to join. It's not compulsory. You don't make them. Well, if you don't fast, you can't play video games or what? No, it's not like that. It's inviting them in. Hey, as a family, we want to see the Lord tenderize our hearts so that we can hear him more clearly and we can be better ready to serve him and represent him in this world. Would you join the fast with us and then talk it through as a family? Communication is key. Minors who desire to fast are encouraged to consider non-food abstentions such as TV, movies, internet surfing, video games, and other entertainment. That's tough for kids because they are wired for sound. And to say, you know, I'm willing to give that up this week or once a week or on this day for the Lord, that's a big deal for a teenager. So I want to encourage you adults and grandparents and uh, moms and dads, don't look down on any effort your kids make toward pleasing the Lord and growing in their relationship with him. Don't say, well, that that isn't three meals, that ain't nothing. No, say, man, the Lord will take whatever you give him. The Lord will open your heart to more of him and give you opportunity to experience the joy of knowing who he is in a greater measure. If older teenagers do fast food under their parents' supervision, encourage them to use juice and protein drinks to sustain them out of consideration for their health and their metabolism. You don't want, there's such a serious growing time in those uh, pre-puberty and puberty years, adolescent years. You don't want to mess that up and fasting can mess that up. Letter C, fasting regularly. I want to talk about this for a few minutes as we wrap up tonight. A fasted lifestyle is a disciplined lifestyle in which we steward our bodies and our time with wisdom and diligence. There's one thing I've learned about, and this has helped me in my journey on fasting. So I'm going to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit and let you see my personal life. I'm going to be a little bit transparent with you. Because of some health issues I was facing, I talked with my doctor and she recommended that I do intermittent fasting. What does that mean? That means going for 16 to 18 hours at a time, not eating in a scheduled way. And so I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. Well, I crashed and burned uh, immediately because I cut out breakfast and breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. So boo, it didn't work. And then I thought, well, I'll cut out dinner. Well, that's when I sit down at the table with my family. So it was like, what do I do? And I I can't cut out lunch because that means I've got to make breakfast and dinners 18, 16 to 18 hours apart. So, um, so what I began to do, I talked it through with Angela, I talked it through with my kids. I would not give up breakfast. Some mornings I would, but some evenings I would give up dinner and I would let them know what I'm doing. So there's communication because I don't want my wife to spend three hours cooking a nice meal and me come to the table and she says, honey, are you eating? And I'm like, not tonight, you know. <laughs> That, that, that is not, not wise, okay? If you're married and you're in a family, that is not wise. So make sure you're communicating. But as I began to take on intermittent fasting, it enabled me to live a fasted lifestyle. And what this does is, if I've, if I've intentionally said, okay, I'm not going to eat breakfast this morning, I'll eat lunch. So I know that from 7 o'clock p.m. the night before till 12 o'clock p.m. the next day, That's 17 hours. That's right in the sweet spot. Then I can eat and break my fast. Um, But sometimes I've noticed the Lord will say, give me your lunch too. And I'll say, yes, yes, Papa, I'll give you my my lunch. 
and he'll just carry me right on through. And it, it sets me up for success instead of making me, okay, when do I get to eat next, you know? Because a lot of us, we live to eat instead of eating to live. And we're thinking about the next meal as we're eating the one we're eating in the moment. And so living a fasted lifestyle gives you more options. That's all I'm saying. So try intermittent fasting and talk with your doctor about that. Fasting is not only saying no to food or it's abstention, but it's an exchange where we abstain from certain things in order to feast on God's word and prayer, whereby the abundance of his grace is made more readily available to us. When undertaken with this type of commitment, a fasted lifestyle is sustainable on a long-term basis, just as it was for Daniel and his friends. Daniel 1, 8 through 16, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid the Lord my king who has assigned your food and drink, why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. So Daniel makes a godly appeal. He said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. That is sustainable. So when you're on a Daniel fast, it means you're drinking water and you're eating fruits and vegetables. You're not eating meat. You're not having caffeinated, sugary drinks. Um, like we would consider the king's royal food, you know, delicacies of the day or whatever. And it just, it helps you when, when you're in that mode. If the Lord wants you to go a little bit longer or do a little bit more, you can say, yes, Lord, I want to. Let's go. Let's go for it. Number four, participation in regular fasting as a lifestyle necessitates a healthy lifestyle on days when food's not being fasted. So I want to encourage you to live a healthy lifestyle. Um, be careful what, what goes in to your body. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we don't want to kill the vehicle carrying His presence, Holy Spirit in us, before it's time. So we want this to last as long as it possibly can. Um, and we should also include exercise and a proper diet. Uh, and then number five, I said this a little bit earlier, but I, it bears repeating. Communicate clearly to those close to you when you're fasting so as not to cause strife in family relationships ministry partnerships, or special friendships. So make sure you're communicating. I know the, that Jesus said, don't tell others when you fast, but that means everybody. I'm, hey, I'm fasting, everybody. I'm not eating and trying to please God. You know, don't do that. But the ones who need to know, let them know. And that way you, you keep things on the up and up and there's accountability there. So let's look at just a few benefits of fasting as we close out tonight. Next week, we'll be talking about physical preparation for fasting, spiritual preparation for fasting, and then how to break your fast if you've been on a, a prolonged fast. But here, let's look at these four benefits of fasting. While the physical impact of fasting is real, the spiritual benefits of fasting are undeniable. Number one, fasting reminds us of our need of God. 
Uh, sometimes we need to feel that. I would say we need to feel it every day. Because if we don't, we get in this mindset that we don't need him. My bills are paid. You know, my car's got gas in it. I got a roof over my head. I've got a, a new shirt I'm wearing. And where's God? I don't really need him. I've got it. No, fasting reminds us our need of him. Number two, fasting helps you and I focus and hear God's voice. There are thousands of voices vying for your and my attention every day on radio, television, the internet, um, billboards, you name it. There are voices screaming at us saying, buy my product, do this, go there, take this pill, whatever. And it takes a while to shake that off and get into the Lord's presence so we can hear what he's saying to us. So I want to encourage you to fast regularly because it helps us to focus on his voice and hear what he's saying. Number three, fasting aligns us with the purposes of God. If there's anything we need to be aligned with, especially in the days we live in, it's the purposes and plans of God. Because he's in charge. He's, he's going to send his son back to get us. And there's going to be some crazy stuff happening in that period of time leading up to it, I believe we're starting to see the growing pains of that. We're starting to see the, the, the curtain and the veil lifted or thinned out. And we got to be ready. We got to be intent and intentional on the voice of our Father and aligning ourselves with His purposes. Fasting helps us do that. And then number four, fasting purifies and strengthens your soul. If you want your inner man to be strengthened... If I want my inner man to be strengthened, I need to fast because it purifies me and it strengthens me for whatever comes my way. And it helps me to receive whatever the Lord is communicating to me in those very delicate and sometimes difficult and challenging moments. So I hope this has been a helpful lesson for you tonight. And uh, again, there are some resources listed in your notes that I would encourage you to take a look at. Very good stuff. Um, but let's close in prayer tonight and just thank the Lord for helping us to learn a little bit more about how to enter into this relationship of fasting with him. Father, it's so good to know your heart, to hear your voice with clarity. And Lord, we know that it's not us twisting your arm. We know it's not us throwing a tantrum to get your attention. It's not even us trying to gain your approval. It's us aligning ourselves to your purposes and your plans for our life so that we live in purity and obedience before you. And Lord, we grow and develop intimacy with you like we cannot any other way. So Father, would you give us a heart for you? And Lord, would you allow fasting to become a joy to us and not a chore or a ritual or a religious exercise? Because Lord, those things get old. But relationship is renewed. Every connection, every exchange, every interaction so, Father, we're asking you to allow fasting to be joyous in our lives in the days ahead as we pursue you in all things, in all areas. Thank you for your help. In Jesus' name, amen.